You are listening to the Think Brick Australia podcast. Think Brick Australia represents the clay, brick and paver manufacturers of Australia. Brick by Brick, our podcast will discuss technical information and architectural case studies with special guests. I'm your host, Elizabeth McIntyre, the CEO of Think Brick Australia. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about one of my favourite subjects, which is the life cycle analysis of bricks. And it's one of my favourite subjects because bricks do so well when we look at the life cycle analysis. And to join me this morning, please welcome one of our rising stars in our engineering fraternity, Raul Ellingoven, who's going to talk about life cycle analysis with me. Welcome, yep. Raul. Hi, Elizabeth. Raul, what are LCAs. Mm-hmm. Straight into that acronym. Straight into it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Life cycle analysis is a bit of a mouthful, so LCAs, just refer like that from now on. So yeah, so an LCA is essentially a method of quantifying all the environmental impacts associated to a given product. Mm-hmm. For example, this includes all life stages generally, so it's product stage, it's use stage, it's construction stage, and it's end of life stage as well. So for example, with a typical brick, mm-hmm. a life cycle analysis would include quantifying the environmental impact associated with the clay extraction from the early stages, and then moving on towards the actual manufacturer stage, then the use stage, and then its disposal activities, such as its recyclability or reusability stages as well. Okay, so we're going to dive into a little bit more on that, but I guess Mm -hmm. that's where we get the expression termed cradle to grave. You know, it's from the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. All right, so before we get into this in a little bit more detail, is there a standard that they're sort of complying to? Yeah, so it's actually an international standard okay. that's used all across the world Okay, that uh, prescribes how LCA should be done. So we have our international standard, the ISO 14040, mm-hmm. which prescribes the principles and frameworks as to how an LCA should be conducted. Mm-hmm. Then we have ISO 14044, which outlines your requirements and guidelines. Okay, great. So we're going to go through the four stages of an LCA Mm -hmm. now, but I think for our listeners, the important thing to note is that this is an international standard. Mm -hmm. And as you said, there are two parts to this standard when we're looking at LCAs. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's go through the four stages of an LCA. Yeah. So the international standards outline four stages, the first of which is your goal and scope definition. And then you move into your second stage, your inventory analysis. And then your third and fourth stages, your impact analysis and interpretation. And what's actually interesting is that the international standards don't actually prescribe how material comparison should be done or what should mm-hmm. and shouldn't be included within your life cycle analysis. So that leaves it up to interpretations on the business and manufacturer's end as to what should and shouldn't be included within your LCA. So there's a little bit of variance of scope yes. here. Yeah. Well, yeah, so that might be for some of our listeners why we're seeing some of our competitor products mm-hmm. looking better than maybe they should yes, be. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but we won't go into that. But let's go into kind of the methodology that mm-hmm. we're going to use. I guess there are three main methodologies. Yeah, so in your first stage of your LCA, which is your goal and scope definition stage, you need to first outline what type of methodology you'll be using moving forward, mm-hmm. so moving into your second stage. So there's three main methodologies that are normally used in the industry. So the first of which is your process-based methodology. Okay. So this essentially itemizes all the inputs and outputs at each stage of a given product. So for example, for a clay brick, 
if you're looking at the early stages, you'll be looking at the inputs such as your water use, your energy use, and then your output such as any emissions to your land and water. Mm -hmm. And at each and every stage, this is essentially quantified, mm -hmm. which makes it a very thorough and comprehensive measure and yep. methodology. Okay. And then you have your input-output methodology, which uses aggregate sector data to quantify the environmental impact to a given sector. So this is more a broader uh, methodology, which is quicker in a okay. sense. Right. And then finally, you have your hybrid methodology, which utilizes both your process and your input-output methodology. And the advantage of this is that it uses the specificity of a process-based methodology while also you know, making use of the comprehensiveness of an input-output methodology. And in general, in the industry, we would like to you know, cater towards a process-based methodology okay. because it's more product-specific. Yep. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And then if we were to look at what boundary conditions should mm -hmm. we use? I know I used a term before, um, cradle yes, to grave. Cradle to grave yeah. But what are we looking at now in terms of the boundary conditions mm -hmm. that we should use? Yeah, so firstly, the term cradle itself refers to your material extraction. Okay. So I guess the main types of boundary conditions used in the industry are generally your cradle to gate, mm -hmm. your cradle to grave, and your cradle to gradle. All right. And the thing with LCA is that it's kind of up to you to determine which boundary conditions you are to use. And obviously us as an association, we believe using a total lifecycle analysis is probably the best measure of showing the true environmental impact of a product. Mm -hmm. So we would generally recommend using a cradle to grave or cradle to cradle boundary condition because this also makes concessions for your recyclability or the end of life activities of a product. Whereas a cradle and gate only stops at looking at the environmental impacts of the product up until the manufacturer gates. And also it can mean that even if you've got sort of, yeah, cradle to gate, mm -hmm. that may perform really, really well. Yeah. But then it doesn't break down in landfill and exactly. then you've got a major issue. So yeah. those are some of the considerations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So we've talked about what cradle means. Mm -hmm. What does embodied energy mean? Yes, embodied energy. <laughs> One of those buzzwords you always hear nowadays. They are. So the embodied energy of, I guess, a building material refers to the energy used in its production. Okay. So the energy used from raw material extraction to its manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking further into the total embodied energy of a material, this also includes the use of the material in a building and also, again, its end-of-life activities. And it's a very important consideration when building your home nowadays to think about your embodied energy, especially looking at your NCC or your BASICS requirements nowadays. Your home needs to be, I guess, environmentally friendly, right? So generally, people tend to look towards using low embodied energy materials. Mm -hmm. But the problem with this is that due to, I guess, certain boundary conditions, people might favor, you know, using lightweight materials, which, you know, typically have lower initial embodied energy. But the thing is, people tend to forget about operational energy. Well, it's one of my favourite topics and uh -huh. we're about to get into yes. that. Um, so we've got the embodied energy and I, and I do think, you know, mm -hmm. around sort of 10 to 15 years ago, everyone was really concerned about embodied energy. Yes. And I think that really saw the rise of use of timber and mm -hmm. even glass. Mm -hmm. But now we come to how does that work operationally? So you haven't used much energy in mm -hmm. the process of that material. Yes. But in order to make the environment inside a building mm -hmm. comfortable, you're using a lot of energy to do yes. that. So now we're going to talk about operational energy and what does that mean, Raul? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so we've actually conducted research into the lifecycle analysis of Australian-made bricks. And in doing this, we contacted our manufacturers and got data straight from manufacturers in terms of its production, its extraction, and all of its associated emissions. And in doing so, we also applied a range of boundary conditions. So we looked at the typical cradle to gate condition that's used widely in industry, but also we looked into the cradle to grave, which also included operational energy too. Mm-hmm. And what we found was that household produced emissions far outweigh the emissions produced during the actual construction process. So what this implies is that your operational energy, so your heating and cooling energy used by yourself in the house, far outweighs your initial embodied energy used during the construction process. So it's a bit of a false assumption, isn't it, to sort of think, okay, well, I'm going to choose a material that's low in embodied energy in the production of that material, and then I'm going to build a building or a house where I'm going to need to get a whole lot of artificial air conditioners and things like that, which actually... I guess, go against what uh-huh. you've just saved. Yeah. I think it's sort of maybe like having a low-calorie meal and then mm-hmm. topping it off with dessert. It's yeah. not getting you the it's results you're wanting. <laughs> so it's important to consider that while you may initially choose a material with low embodied energy, mm. it might lead to greater operational energy costs in the future. And that's why we're looking at the whole of life. Yes. Um, okay, so let's talk about a little bit of the inventory analysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the next stage of your life cycle analysis is your inventory analysis. And this is the way you actually quantify all the environmental emissions or your environmental impact. So your first stage was essentially setting the scope, your definition, your choosing your boundary conditions, your methodology. And now we're actually assigning numbers to this so we could actually quantify it mm-hmm. and then interpret it. So to do this, we generally look towards using your life cycle inventory analysis databases mm-hmm. and In doing that, we derive our embodied energy coefficients from there and then try to calculate how much embodied emissions are produced per household. And then where do we get to with stage three? Yes, so your final stage is your analysis interpretation is once you have the numbers, you do exactly as the name suggests. You interpret it, your analysis, and you try improve your production chains and and try making more and more efficient as to reduce your carbon emissions moving forward. And I think that's what the brick industry has successfully done and we're always mm-hmm. looking to improve. Yes. But just a little bit of a recap, um, mm-hmm. Raul, and you've explained this really well. We're obviously talking about life cycle analysis and straight away we're going to put an acronym in mm-hmm. there, yes. LCAs. <laughs> and what you took us through was the international standard that it mm-hmm. applies to, which is... Your ISO 14040 and your ISO 14044. Excellent. And then we looked at the methodologies, Mm -hmm. which you looked at the process-based assessment, Mm -hmm. which is probably the most accurate. Yes. You then went into talk around sort of an input-output analysis, which Mm -hmm. is more around an aggregate of the sector. And then we looked at a hybrid analysis, which which is a a bit of both. Bit of both. Mm -hmm. And then we looked at the boundary conditions and we threw around those sort of words, Mm -hmm. cradle to gate, cradle to grave, and then cradle Cradle to cradle, cradle, Mm -hmm. right, which is the entire process. And then we sort of looked at embodied energy and Mm -hmm. operational energy. And that really, I guess, differentiates between what is used to make the material, Mm -hmm. how much energy is used to make that, as opposed to then how does the material perform Mm. in an operating building? And what you pointed out very rightly so, and our research has substantiated this, is that one, we actually use more energy when we're operating a building Mm -hmm. and that even if you 
choose a material that might have low embodied energy mm-hmm. at the start. Operationally, it may not perform exactly. so well. And then we went through the inventory analysis and mm-hmm. that looked at sort of compiling the data and then around analysis and interpretation. Yes. Just for our listeners overall, what sort of time period do LCAs typically go for? Mm-hmm. How many years? So your LCA, again, is typically determined by your boundary conditions. Yes. So if you're only looking at your cradle to gate boundary condition, you're only looking at it for a couple of years, right? Right. Because you're only looking until the product is manufactured and then leaves the factory gate. Okay. So you're not looking at any of the impacts past the factory gate. Yep. So ideally, if you're looking at a cradle to grave boundary condition for a product such as bricks, you could be looking at 100, 150 years of the product's use. But typically, a lot of products Mm -hmm. only use, say, 50 years, which means they perform really, really well. Sometimes even less, 20 to 25 years before it must be reused or must be maintained. And then this incurs more costs, right? That's right. Whereas if we were to look at bricks, they can, as you said, Mm -hmm. last 75, 80, 100 years. And that means we perform so well Mm -hmm. over that whole life cycle analysis. Mm -hmm. Raul, thank you so much for going through this with us. I know that it's another one of those sort of topics that everyone has something to say about it mm-hmm. and there's so much confusing information out yes, there. Yes, it's Thank- so confusing. <laughs> I just feel like there's such a, you know, common misconception with bricks, right? Mm. Just the fact that, you know, we mentioned embodied energy before and bricks themselves obviously have high initial embodied energy, right? They're fired in a kiln at upwards of a thousand degrees Celsius. Mm. So it's a lot of energy going into that brick. But the fact that it has high thermal mass and the fact that it could help reduce your operational costs in the future is a big bonus or advantage that house owners should be considering. And it lasts for a very it long time. It lasts for a very, very long time. Raul, thank you so much for joining me today. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for having me. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow, rate and review our podcast. We are always looking for new ways to think brick. If you have an idea of what you'd like to hear about, there's a link in our show notes to let us know.